screen must be free with your host, Andrew McGuire. This is an episode of Viral Service, where we discuss customer service in the news. Let us begin at the beginning. In the beginning, there was nothing, and then there was something. It doesn't matter if it was God, the Big Bang, a sneezing potato salad. There was nothing, and then something. And from that something, society came to be. Humans working together to build villages, hunt, fish, gather berries, grow crops, and eventually collectively stare at their phones in hopes that the person sitting next to them on the bus is too busy wiping their nose on their sleeve to talk to us. But then something happens. Somewhere those ancestors' instincts pop in, and we offer that snot-nosed bastard a tissue. Why? Empathy. We all know the feeling of that snot bubble sitting on our face. We understand their plight. Empathy may be courteous nowadays, but it was a matter of survival before that. How else would we work together and care for each other? Even animals have a sense of empathy, as shown by Jules Masserman in 1964. With a group of researchers, they found that monkeys would forego food if taking it meant shocking other monkeys. There are generally speaking three types of empathy, emotional, cognitive, and compassionate. Daniel Goldman outlines them the best in Social Intelligence. But to summarize briefly, cognitive empathy allows you to know how others feel without feeling it. This can be used to manipulate others. Emotional empathy allows you to feel what others do, but can be overwhelming. Compassionate empathy is considered the balance between the two. Compassionate empathy is probably the most likely form that comes to mind when we think about the word empathy. That being said, how do we apply it? Think about your day-to-day. Do you use social media? Would you say you use empathy online? Personally, I consider social media a void you shout into. There are no meaningful debates, just voices yelling past each other. You wouldn't say that to my face, but you've seen that line before. And it's true, but is it fear or empathy? Daryl Davis, an African-American man, has over the past 30 or so years convinced 200 Klan members to leave the KKK. He met these men where they were, got to know them, they got to know him, and through the power of empathy, they realized they had more in common than not, and that they were wrong. Well, certainly, if Davis can utilize empathy to convince people who wish he didn't exist to turn in a leaf, we can certainly harness it to help someone who wants to return a toaster. When I started Retail Nylon 20 years ago, I started as a cashier. After a year or two, I was promoted to the service desk. The returns, the complaints, the yelling, it all went through me. You've seen some horror stories, I'm sure. You probably have some of your own. Thankfully, a little empathy went a long way. I didn't pick a toaster at random, by the way. One customer, who was a regular, was the toaster lady. Never mean, never yelling, but frustrating. She bought and returned the same toaster a minimum of five times to me, and a few times to other associates. They would get annoyed. This customer should obviously know the toaster wouldn't fit on her counter, her reason for returning it each time. It became obvious after the second time I saw her come in with the toaster that the toaster wasn't the point. The human contact was. She was an older woman, possibly a widow, but I would chat with her and get her to smile, and eventually she stopped messing around with that toaster and started purchasing other little knickknacks and whatnot. In this quick example, we see that empathy is the key to understanding the underlying issue. How long would that toaster saga have continued without the little conversations we had? One of my failings at customer service came in the form of a phone conversation. I was a teenager, and I don't recall the conversation entirely, but I do recall screwing up. It's funny how you always remember your screw-ups. My empathy failed when I misjudged how a customer was feeling, and tried to break the tension, I laughed. This led to the customer assuming I was laughing at them. While I wasn't, it's understandable they thought I was. My manager was able to smooth things over, but it stuck with me. To make a point to do my best to understand how others feel before acting. 
Had my manager not smoothed it over, one could wonder what bad word of mouth could have been spread. The two examples we just talked about, one good and one bad, show how the tool of empathy needs to be carefully wielded. Let's consider the time of this writing, hospitals under fire for lack of empathy. In 2017, Sue Dean of the University of Technology in Sydney wrote about this. With more demand on doctors and nurses and a push for quicker constellations, clinical empathy is being dwarfed by the need for efficiency. But this doesn't mean patients have stopped wanting to be treated in a caring and empathetic manner. And there is growing body of evidence that this need is often not met. While it's obvious retail is not life or death, empathy is missing in retail as well. According to the author of How Does It Make You Feel, Daryl Travis, surveys reveal that 80% of companies believe they deliver superior customer experience, yet only 8% of their customers agree. 8%. 8 out of 100. That's even lower than what I got in my finals of French, and all I can say is, je m'appelle Andrew. So how do we wield empathy? How do we train it? First off, just talk to someone. Anyone, really. Even online. Oh, sure, I called it a void earlier, but the research pretty much lands on social media side on this one. Like most things, the tools must be used in the right way to be effective. Arguing with someone on the opposite side of the political spectrum isn't going to get you far. Think about it. When was the last time you changed someone's mind with a tweet? Or had your mind changed? I'll wait. Think instead about the other uses for social media. Raising awareness for diseases, disasters, and tragedies. Keeping in touch with friends and family. Maybe making some new friends. Social media is a very non-threatening way to flex that empathy muscle. Sharing in the joy of your cousin's new baby, sharing in the heartbreak of a lost friend, donating to help survivors of a natural disaster. The next step we'll cover more in depth in a later episode, but is listening. We need to hear how others feel, and truly listen. If someone says they're hurt, they're hurt. Just because a problem seems small to us doesn't mean it's not big to them. That customer returning a carriage full of merchandise that looks like it's from the Neolithic era might be returning it because they found it cleaning out their grandmother's attic after she passed. Thirdly, just go do something. Somewhere. That makes you uncomfortable. I did stand-up for a while. Never professionally, just as a hobby. To this day, talking in front of people makes me nervous. Once you get going, though, you feed off the energy of others as you form that connection. There are lots of examples of public speaking. Empathy works both ways making sure you understand the other people while also realizing you're in this together. I wasn't talking at the audience. I was talking with them and feeling their joy, and it made me happier, making them happier. Let's take a look at what could be considered one of the most damning failures of customer service I've ever read about. When was the last time you were at the airport? Hugh Grant and Love Actually would have you believe it's a magical place where everyone is happy. Airports suck. Bunch of people shuffling through security, throwing out perfectly good bottles of water that they then have to pay $8 for on the other side. And that's before you even get on the plane. Planes suck too. Sure, from a technology standpoint, they're pretty awesome, allowing us to cover thousands of miles in hours versus days. They also allow you to hate your life with every bump and turbulence that makes the fight or flight part of your brain scream. But then you land, your logical brain tells your lizard brain to calm down, get off the plane, and then either go home, go to the resort, or for some of us, the next conference. What if you couldn't get off the plane, though? This is what happened in 2017. During some particularly bad weather, some flights were rerouted to the Ottawa airport, and then just sat on the tarmac, not letting anyone off, for six hours, after they had already flown for eight. Not only did they not let anyone off, they ran out of fuel and had to turn off the lights, turn off the AC, offered no food or drinks, the bathrooms didn't work. If empathy is meant to make us feel for the other person, what is it when we forget the other person is human? The airline blamed the airport, the airport blamed the airline... 
The police and firefighters who called said they couldn't do anything. Customs got involved to be allowed to open the cargo bay to check on a dog, which is just the icing on the cake. You got this whole situation and you have to ask special permission to check on a pet? No. Open the damn bay and tell me Flufferbutt the Chihuahua is okay. According to the story, the airline claimed that there weren't stairs to allow passengers to disembark. The airport disagreed, saying they were available, but the airline had to choose to allow passengers off. Now let's just say for two seconds, play devil's advocate, the airline didn't expect to be at the airport for six hours. Maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Can't let everyone off and try to round them back up. Except during the time, they were told that they needed to refuel, but the gas truck was empty and had to refill. Sounds like they had some time at that point, even if only a half hour or an hour to stretch legs, get food, use the bathroom. The airline offered an apology that simply said, sorry for the inconvenience. To quote Will Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean, that's not good enough. This was an utter failure in service, a dehumanizing event, not just for the customers, but for the cabin crew. For their part, the airport claims they have a store of supplies for what they call irregular operations. We keep a supply of water, food, diapers, and other personal hygiene necessities support passenger needs in irregular operation scenarios, and we're prepared to deploy these supplies. They talk about trying to contact the crew to get them to at least open all the doors to circulate air. Seems to me the airport had empathy and understood that this was going to take a toll on the customers. The decision was made to keep passengers on the plane. Again, knowing they had to wait to refuel anyway is one of the most horrific lacks of empathy I've ever read about. The question is whether you would have let the passengers off the plane. Think how you would have reacted having been kept on the plane. This is, at its most basic form, empathy, to put yourself in another person's shoes. But let's not end on a terrible story. Let's talk about empathy being used for good. Let's look at another airline, because I'm not being overly fair to the flying tin can industry. In 2018, Vicky was planning on taking her mom to Vegas to catch a concert for one of her favorite artists. It had been a bucket list item. They dutifully got to the airport early, even making the gate. Then they got hungry and went to get some food. Between chatting and having fun at the airport, yeah, okay, they got distracted and ended up missing their flight. Vicky was distraught. They went to customer service just to find out that getting the next flight out would run them $1,000. Ugh. Now, what would you do here? Tell them to suck it up, Buttercup? Take 20% off? Maybe 50% off? Christy, the employee at the counter, gave them buddy passes. A free flight. No haggling, no bargaining. Christy heard their story, thought about how she would feel in that situation, and made the decision to help them out. They made it to the concert, had a wonderful time, made sure to let the airline know Christy was amazing. When we think about empathy, we talked about three types briefly. Cognitive empathy, knowing how others feel but not really caring. The airline seems to fit that example. An apology because they know the passengers were upset but not really feeling it and just using a canned impersonal response. The second type is emotional empathy, what we want but is often not enough without action. Compassion to empathy, Christy nailed it. She felt Vicky's pain and acted upon a solution. There's another overall theme that will continue to come up throughout these podcasts, the concept of ownership. Where did this first example break down? Empathy? Absolutely. It also broke down in ownership. All these entities blame each other. They were more worried about their own appearance than the people involved. Our second example is the antithesis of that. Christy didn't call a manager or a district manager or the Ghostbusters. She took ownership and did what needed to be done. This is a lot to take in. I know, because it was a lot to write, but it's a fundamental piece of customer service. To meet them where they are. There will be customers yelling at you at times. That's certainly true in retail, but I truly believe 99%, not a scientific number, of customers yelling at you are yelling about this situation and not at you. Empathy will allow you to work with them, and it'll be no longer them versus you, but it'll be you and them versus the system. Or more briefly, 
treat others the way you want to be treated.